Okay, so we are going to, guys, be looking at John 15 today. If you want to open your device or if you have a Bible with you, uh, we're going to be reading from John 15 this morning. And we have been, since Easter, in a series called Revitalize. Revitalize, bring new life to our faith in God is the way that I'm thinking about that word. It's a cool word, and it's uh, one that Jeff came up with that I think is great. We are talking about revitalizing our relationship with, with God and who God is. One thing Jeff's really been focusing on is, what's our view of God? How do we view him? And that's kind of what I want to talk a little bit more about today. We've been running through four different ideas, and I'm just going to go over them really quickly. They are we're, we're rotating on four different concepts as we talk about vitalizing, bringing to new life, our view of God, our relationship with God. One is saturating in the story that is Jesus. So just saturating ourselves, our hearts, our bodies, our minds, our persons in Jesus, in the story of who Jesus is. Second is the acceptance and the perfect love and intimacy that God gives us. And that's what we're going to focus on today. The third, empowerment to love everyone, enemies included, the power of love. And then the fourth one is empathy and action. So we've been kind of like rotating on all of these ideas. And I have had so much fun this week writing the sermon because I just love, I love it when writing, you know, I, I write a sermon and it's like, oh my gosh, the whole story of God, it all fits together. It is so good. It makes so much sense. And God is a redeeming, good, kind God who loves us and at the end of time is going to make all things right. And now, in the here and now, let his kingdom come and we can be part of things being made right and the redemption of this beautiful and broken world. Amen? So we're going to read in John 15. Um, but first I want to re, kind of rewind. If you guys were here last week, you remember, and for, uh, for Easter too, Jeff has been quoting um, A.M. Ramsey is, wow, sorry, that's a very loud <laughs> car. A.M. Ramsey is uh, credited as, as saying this quote originally, but it is, um, and also Greg Boyd, one of my favorite theologians, also says it. There is nothing unchristlike in God. God is Christ-like, and in him is no unchristlikeness at all. And that is something you guys just that right there, I could spend my entire life getting into my head. Because when we, we have not only our own thoughts, but we've got scripture, we've got Christian tradition that says different things to us, especially if we've been raised in the church. There is nothing unchristlike in God. It's a concept that I am still trying to really grasp and learn, and I'm so excited about it. God is Christ-like, and in him is no unchristlikeness at all. So today what I want to do is talk about rethinking how we see God the Father. 
And I think that the way that we see God is imperative if we want to have a long-term faith. I think about, because I love to work with the youth group. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention in announcements, youth group is meeting here, you guys, at 2 o'clock. The sun will be out. I believe it. <laughs> we're going to meet here at 2 for the Republic, y'all. And then um, 3 to 5, we're having youth groups. So be, be here or be square. It doesn't work as well. Be there or be square. Um, so anyway, I think about like young people. And when I was young, I did not understand this concept that God the Father being the same God, the Old Testament God, right, we hear about being the same as Jesus. Jesus is who we look to, to learn what God is like. And it's how we read scripture. It's Jesus is everything. Jesus is how we read scripture. So rethinking how we see God the Father, I think it is imperative. I think it's imperative for us to have effectiveness. I think it's imperative for us to have long-term faith. I think it is so deeply imperative if we are to live a life that is full of the peace of God. And if we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to rethink how we think about God the Father. So that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. Our view of God informs our behavior. It informs who, what, how we live, what we do, how we treat others, how we treat ourselves. Our view of God the Father is so important. Our view of God is so important as far as how we live our lives. Um, unfortunately, human beings, and I've just been thinking about this, like human beings are able to justify all kinds of terrible behavior, aren't we? Aren't we able to do that? And like, oftentimes, Jeff has called me out on this. I just want to throw like Christian culture under the bus, but really it is just humans. It's what we do as humans. Humans have used the Bible in the past to justify violence, every form of violence, war, genocide, slavery, right? Humans used the Bible to justify all these things. Sexism, homophobia, every kind of ism you can imagine. Oppression of other people groups, right? We, human beings have used the Bible to do these things. We are able, as human beings, unfortunately, to justify all kinds of behavior. And that is just not the biz. So what I want to talk about today is... God the Father, we think of God, it's very easy for us to think of God the Father as um, almost resentful of us being human. And it's something that I really have always struggled with because I personally grew up in the church, and I know a lot of you guys did as well. Like, does God resent me for being a human being, or does he care? Does he, is he okay with me? Is God okay with me? God is um, so okay with us, you guys. God loves us so much. And I want to unpack uh, John 15 a little bit and talk about this. There's one song that I really, really like, that, but, I, but there's one line in it that I have a hard time with. You guys know the song Reckless Love? Oh, the overwhelm. I love the song. It's so pretty. But there's a line in it that says, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve God's love. It's always been really hard for me because I just don't, I don't like that. <laughs> we, it's not 
biblical. The idea of us not deserving the love of God is nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> it's nowhere in the Bible to be found that we do not deserve the love of God. God made us. He created us out of his great love. And he looks at us and says, you are good. I'm crazy about you. So I, we are trying very desperately to move away from the idea of like God is this wrathful, resentful, like any minute, any minute you screw up, you are going to lose the love of God. That's just what we are trying to, I'm, I'm dedicated to spending my lifetime moving away from that vision of God. It is very unhelpful and it is very unbiblical in my view. Okay, so... Um, I, you know, these last years in our country have been difficult. Not only a global pandemic, but uh, lots of political things that have been hard to swallow. Uh, we've got crises upon crises upon crises, right, in the last few years. It's been so incredibly difficult to be a follower of Jesus in this country. That is my personal view. I've found it very difficult. But one thing I've loved about it is it's just cleared the way for me personally to think, like, what do I really think about God and his goodness? What do I really believe about who God is? God does not resent his creation. He loves his creation. He looks at us with kindness and love and grace. So, okay. Um, I have a very good friend named Penny Meyer. You guys may know her. I remember years ago when we first planted the church, her and I met at California Pizza Kitchen. We were having some salads, and she was probably like a little older than me at the time. She had just read a book about Jesus and was so excited about learning about Jesus. And I was like, wow. I mean, at the time, I was like, man, this old lady, but she was not old. <laughs> I'm like, she's so old, and she's excited about learning new things about God and Jesus, and it was so it, like, it sparked my heart to just realize, like, this is what it's like to follow Jesus. Our entire lives, guys, we get to have our eyes open to who is God? Who are you really, Lord? So, all right, God does not resent us for being human. Am I the only one who struggles with that, or do you guys ever struggle with that? Do you guys ever show? I struggle with that. And I think it's part of just being human. And I also think it's part of like just growing up in the church, like um, learning the things about God that just aren't right. You know, God does not resent us for who we are. He adores us. All right, Lord, thank you so much for these beautiful people. Thank you so much for Central Vineyard. God, thank you that they are here shivering in the wind. We are together, Lord, and we're so grateful. God, most of all, we're just so grateful for your love for us. Um, we, I don't know, Lord, I don't know that I want to use the word we deserve it, but God, you have looked at us, and you have said, this is good. You are good. I adore you guys. You're just fine. Keep going. I'm proud of you. I love you. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come. And speak to each of our hearts what we need to hear, Lord. The truth of who you are, God, and your amazing, perfect love. Amen.
Okay, so we are going to read John 15 together. If you have a device, open it. If you just want to listen, that's cool too. There's a long tradition of just listening to the Word of God because uh, it's kind of a new thing that people, all people are literate, right? To be fair. So don't feel guilty about not having a Bible on you. It's totally cool. <laughs> John 15, 1 through 5. This is the New Living Translation, guys. I like it. So I'm using it today. I like it for this passage. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Open our hearts to hear it, Lord. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. This is Jesus talking. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Okay, thank you, Lord, for your word. This, you guys, we have to be careful Jeff talks about this a lot. We have to be careful how we hear the words of Jesus. It's really easy to hear that Jesus is mad and frustrated. Jesus is saying this out of the generous heart that he has for humans. He loves people, and he's saying this in kindness. He's saying it in love. Guys, I am the vine. You are the branches. Be connected to the goodness that is me and you will have such a cool life. That's kind of how I read this passage. Be connected to the, to the goodness that is in me. Our invitation from Jesus is for God in his goodness to beautify us, to allow us to grow, to come to true life in him. And I love it so much. This, you guys know, if you know, if you've been to my house, you guys know I have a very, very weird obsession with houseplants. Um, too many of them, my poor family, like, can barely live in the house because there's so many houseplants. Um, I'm like, don't move because you might tip over a plant. Um, by the way, please make yourself comfortable. <laughs> um, but so, okay, so I am constantly dividing my plants, trying to make new beautiful ones because I love, like, the, the outdoor, the great outdoors in my house, okay? Just green everywhere. And last year, do you guys know what a snake plant looks like? It's the tall, spiky, you know, and it's very good for air. So if you guys have one in your house, I bet you SB has one all over the house because she's a houseplant nut too. Um, so I, I broke off one of the tubes. Uh, they're called tubers. I broke off one of the tubers. And the hope is that that tuber will sprout new roots, will go into the soil, and will grow, right? That's what the gardener always wants. The gardener wants for a new life to happen. But it can't happen if it's not attached to some life. The tuber is where all the life is. The tuber, if the tuber's not healthy, the roots won't grow. So what's happened is, upstairs in my bathroom, I have a little snake plant. And it's really funny because in an entire year, it has not grown. At all. Now, it looks alive. But it has stood still for an entire year. It has not grown. I watch it. I take photographs of it. It has not grown. For, now, it doesn't look dead. 
But to me, it's this great picture of we have to be connected to the life that is Jesus. If we are not connected to the, the branch, to, to the actual vine, the branch is not going to grow. So that tuber somehow, the life did not vitalize in that tuber. So if you guys go upstairs to my bathroom and you see that snake plant, do not be fooled. It is dead. It doesn't look dead. It's really weird. Um, but, and, and I think it's a good picture of like how we can be. We can be going along and not be connected to the life source, the one life source we've been given, which is Christ himself. Um, and you guys know how to connect to the life source. You guys are filled with the Holy Spirit. You guys know. You guys know the things that connect us to, to the Lord, right? Connection to others who love him, who can encourage us. Connection to the word of God. Connection to the things that are true. Connection to our prayer life. Connection to, like, Lord, I know that you love me, so this is how you want me to live. Filled with your spirit. Filled with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. All the things that are Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the living and active Jesus right here on our planet right now. Right? Okay. Ooh, it's 5 till 11. I wanted to talk a little bit about, guys, I don't have much time left, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that the love of God is totally non-coercive. Daniel touched on it for just a minute. We are invited. Jesus is like, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me. You have a choice here. You have a choice about whether you're going to remain in me or not. Um, do you want to remain in me? Do you want to be that, like that snake plant where there's actually no life to it? You look like there's, it looks like it, but there's actually no life. Remain in me. And the love of God is perfectly non-coercive because God is love. God is perfect love. And love and coercion do not exist together. It's just not in the nature of love to coerce, right? Um, I, I have been around the block enough to see, witness, unfortunately, some very controlling relationships, romantic relationships and otherwise, and they're terrible, and controlling human beings tend to be controlling with one another because we just do. It's within our nature. It is not within the nature of God to be controlling because he is love and he's perfect, right? Humans do that to each other. God does not coerce. It's not, it's, he's just not going to do it. He loves us perfectly. So we get the invitation to walk with the goodness of God, hand in hand. The Lord says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me. I am perfect love. If you do this, your life will be so good. It will be so awesome. Okay, so God, in his kindness, says, I don't want to, to control you guys. I'm not, it's not going to be like a slave and a, and a master. It's not going to be like that. I want to be your friend. That is what God says to us. That is what Jesus and his goodness says to us. Um, so let's see. True love is built on free will and free choice. 
not control and not manipulation. And unfortunately, even the church gets into this stuff, you guys, sometimes. The church will be controlling. The church will be manipulative. God, love us. It's not, it's not the heart of God. That's not what we do with one another. Relationships, even in the church, sometimes get to this. And we don't do that. We don't control one another. We love each other. We are about helping one another be free, right? Um, Control and manipulation are not love. The outcome is a life of imprisonment, ultimately leading to deep-rooted feelings of resentment. That is from a very famous book about controlling relationships. And that is not how our relationships are meant to be with one another. Definitely not with God. He just won't do it. Um, He loves us. So, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do no good thing. But with me, we can do anything. We can do everything because we are free in him. He is so good. Um, Let's see. I have a few more minutes. I want to, the, the word command is used a fair amount in this passage. If you guys go on, this is 9 through 17. I'm going to read it real quick. I have loved you, Jesus says, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. You're my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love one another. Amen. The word of the Lord. So I just want to end thinking about, guys, the perfect love of God and that and the invitation that we have and that is the power that we have in the world love is completely non-coercive god is love it's perfect love is perfect if it's from god and i'm so grateful i just want to read a few passages and then i want to we're going to have some communion I just want you guys, would you mind standing while I read just a couple of passages that are just so beautiful? I just actually want to read the entire Bible right now because it all fits together and it's so wonderful. This is 1 John. This is is the same author. John is obsessed with love. He wrote the love gospel, which is the gospel of John. And then he wrote a bunch of letters that are all obsessed with love. It's great. This is 1 John, he says. Guys, hear this. There is no fear in love. But love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Fear is not the motivator for why we go to Jesus. 
Fear is not about love. It's like control and love. It's like coercion and love. They don't exist together. Fear and love don't exist together. God draws us to himself because of his love. And here's Paul in Romans. Did you guys forget about his loving kindness to you? He's writing to the church in Rome. Did you forget about his kindness to you? Do you forget how long he's waiting for you? You know that God is kind. He's trying to get you to be sorry for your sins so that you can turn from them. The Lord's love for us is so perfect. It's waiting for us. God created us out of his love. He will wait for us. He's not mad at us. He's crazy about us. And then I wanted to end. You guys can come up if you want to. Thank you so much, Andy and Brooke, for serving us with music this morning. It's so beautiful. I have a really good friend who always says, when she's talking about God, she's like, God, he's just so sweet. He's just so sweet. <laughs> I love that. Like, God's just so sweet to us. And I pray, Central Vineyard, that our eyes are opened to who God really is. He is sweet to us. Will you guys just open your hands as, I, just as we pray? Jesus in this passage says, I have appointed you to produce fruit that is going to last. That is what he has asked us as the church to do, to produce fruit that is going to last. Justice and reconciliation. Justice and reconciliation are what the people of God are called to. They've always been called to it. Justice and reconciliation. Fruit that will last. We there is, I mean, justice and re reconciliation, guys, we just so need it. We need it in our own hearts. We need it in our own relationships. We look around at the darkness of the world, and boy, Holy Spirit, do we need justice and reconciliation now, Lord. That is your heart, God. And Jesus ends this passage saying, love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the whole gospel. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Central Vineyard, this is again Paul, Ephesians. He says, I pray that your, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order to know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power. For us who believe we have so much power to love guys when we are connected when we are connected to that amazing vine that is jesus it will never ever run out holy spirit fill us with your spirit now lord to love to say yes lord to everything you've called us to do and be sometimes that's rest like carl and jesse are doing sometimes it's just rest and you have to say yes to that. Sometimes it's lots of action. Sometimes it's just getting your heart right. And so, Lord, we have all the power, Lord, in you to say yes. Holy Spirit, what is it you are calling me to do, Lord? 
with this beautiful, precious day you've given me today, Lord. 